Welcome to the Net Effects Podcast, where Les Ottolenghi and Mark Bavasoto break down how the Fortune 500, the hottest startups, and the best VCs succeed through digital, social, and personal transformation. And now, here are your show hosts, Mark Bavasoto and Les Ottolenghi. It's our pleasure to welcome a Girl Scout leader, digital transformation wizard, and one badass female leader, the current Senior Vice President of Digital Transformation and Business Engagement at Republic National Distributing Company, Renee Pearson. Welcome to the program, Renee. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I can't say I've ever had an introduction quite like that, so... (laughs) Thank you for that as well. <laughs> Great. We, we did our job. Perfect. Before we get started here, check out all our future and past podcasts. Please go to netfxpodcast.com. That's where you'll see the bio on Renee and all the in this latest podcast. So first question I have, right? Working at the second largest wine and spirits company, do you get all the free wine and booze you want? <laughs> well, not all the free wine and booze that I want, but when you hear a little bit about my journey, uh, I can tell you that the perks that I receive at a beer and wine distributor are a little bit different than when I worked for a consumer products company. <laughs> All right, then the second question, now again, I'm just asking for a friend, but do some unnamed podcast hosts get all the free wine and spirits they want from having you on their podcast? I might know a few people, so we'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to reschedule you on the show again. It's just sort of a regular segment, I think, you want to do. Uh, I would say, what, every, about every three weeks at the most, Mark? That sounds great. Okay, so we'll get serious now. For, so we have a feature on all our podcasts called Unmasking Executive. So this is a story that the world doesn't know about Renee. Now, again, this has to be an exclusive that will get us a better understanding of what shaped you as a person. So let me tell you a little bit about my background and my journey. I was born and raised in Wisconsin. I now live in Atlanta. So there was a literally a physical uh, journey right from the Midwest down to the South. But along that, you know, spent quite a few years at a really large company, about 20 years. I had a lot of opportunities within that company, working internationally moved into another consumer products, good company, uh, another digital transformation effort there, good opportunities, which then landed me here at RNDC for about the last nine months. So from that aspect, again, what about something in your past that people may not know about you that again, just kind of just shaped you as that person that, you know, made you the leader you are today? When I reflect at different things growing up, I think diversity and what I did growing up as an individual playing athletics, understanding the importance of communication, teamwork, success, and failure, all wrapped into team athletics and sports. I look at the town I grew up in and, you know, learning diversity in a small town to a big town. As I've gotten older and into my career, I've had some, I'll say, really good transformational learning experiences along the way. I do have two children. I have a 15-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. My picture perfect, I'm going to be a mom. What that's going to look like was a little bit different. He was born about three months early and was just over two pounds when he was born. What I learned from that experience is number one, how resilient children can be. Number two, 
I actually questioned my purpose. What's my purpose in life? I work for a large corporate company and I love it. I love what I do, but I just saw these people who dedicate their life to making little humans better and watching them go out into the world. And I work for corporate America, which is great, but it made me question, what is my purpose in life? And that was about when I was 29 years old. So I kind of went through a little transformation at that moment, realized I can still love corporate America, but it changed my outlook in community involvement, nonprofit. How do I still do what I love from a career perspective, but balance that with giving back and back to the community involvement? So let me ask you the question, which sport was your favorite sport? (laughs) Volleyball was my favorite. I was a setter. I loved the sport, the intensity. Second was basketball. Um, Actually, this is an unknown fact. I was actually state free throw champion in Wisconsin when I was young. I ended up tying for, or ended up taking third place, but there was a shootout. Talk about intense, right? But there was a shootout for, um, ended up taking third place. But nowadays, my favorite sport is tennis. Tennis. Okay. What, What do you love about tennis? Number one, I love working out. And so exercise is a big part of my life, but I I love the competitiveness and I play two different ways. I've played individually where I'm just out to kind of improve my own game. And you know, every ball is yours, right? Like you just go after it. And when you're playing in doubles, you know, it's, it's a different element, right? Of communication and a little bit more strategy and how you're working with your team. But yeah, I love it also for the social aspect too. So you talked about community involvement and that you're passionate about that. What are the programs that you as a, as a leader, because obviously you are a high level executive who then looks to get involved with the community. What is that like and which programs are you most passionate about? Mark hinted at one uh, is large in part of my daughter in Girl Scouts. Uh, so that, that's, I've been a leader since she entered Girl Scouts, a co-leader uh, with her troop. So it's been really amazing to see those girls grow up and instill some of those core values in their upbringing and hopefully stick with them through life. There is a lot of opportunities within Atlanta to volunteer your time professionally, whether it's giving back to um, technology professionals, you know, younger folks, right, that are moving up in the ranks and need some mentorship. There's a program that is near and dear to my heart in closing the digital divide between kids who may not have laptops, but yet so much education and learning is online today. It's a program that actually partners with corporate companies and actually the community to donate their old hardware, laptops, anything at all, donate that and uh, help build funds or they'll refurbish the equipment to then give to schools and students so that they have the same opportunities throughout their education that they may not have otherwise. That nonprofit is called Inspire EDU. It was actually, uh, we split off recently. It's our first year as a, our own uh, nonprofit, but the corporate branch was called Power My Learning, which may be known more nationwide. And so this notion of purpose, which you obviously are, are living and walking, you've got both your, your corporate life and then your family and then all of these other activities. Why is that critical from your experience for a leader to think of things in terms of purpose? As a leader, you need to have empathy. You need to have exposure to the world. 
to people who have different experiences. It opens your eyes to things that you may not otherwise know and see, which influences how you lead and empathy that you have for your team. And as you're leading people, and, and I know that everybody has their own story behind what you see. And you may not always see that, right? So being able to have that empathy as a leader, I think is really important. I also think that as you grow and become successful, give back. You know, people have invested in you and you may have had other opportunities that not everyone has, but find those opportunities to give back and pay it forward. You know, it, without other people, there's no way I would have made it from where I was as a little girl in Wisconsin to where I am right now in Atlanta. And you are a digital transformation leader. So you look at the world in the way that we talk about it on this podcast, network effects in the digital world. So digital transformation. So what are the sort of the key things you see happening in digital transformation and how are you applying that within either your business life or some of these volunteer organizations beyond the obvious of, you know, the donations of hardware and so on. How do you see digital transformation playing out at the corporate level? And then maybe even at this personal level for volunteers in organizations with a purpose. So when I look at digital transformation, if you just look at it as exactly what it says, right? So it's digital involves technology. Transformation means that there's a change and it's sort of implied that the transformation has changed for good right? Nobody ever talks about a transformation or highlights or uses the word transformation when it hasn't been a, a positive or really good intent or effect or outcome. I look at digital transformation on two different levels based on some of the experiences and, and leadership opportunities that I've had. I talked about working for a large consumer products uh, company, consumer goods company. And I also had the opportunity to run some innovation groups inside those larger companies. And the way you go about digital transformation at a corporate and enterprise level is very different than when you look at innovation or digital transformation at a smaller, smaller scale. No matter what, you have to have a goal and a vision, right? It, it, what is our goal? Do we believe that there is a, a better state and that we can achieve it? On the innovation side, that's your hypothesis, right? This is the hypothesis that we have, and this is the, the business value that we think we're going to get. So you sort of have that top layer across the board, no matter how you're executing that digital transformation. And to support that, you have to have the right people. On the enterprise side, it could be your system integrator and your big partners that you choose. On the innovation side, this is your co-innovation. These are your people, small vendors or partners or VC companies that, that you sort of piecemeal together to go try and test out a hypothesis. But then you all have an aligned priority and a commitment to that. Uh, sometimes on the innovation side, right, that's just sheer grit and passion because you need to go make that idea work. But, you know, fundamentally, I think those are the core elements in leading, whether it's a big digital transformation or a smaller innovation. I think you nailed it. I mean, I've seen this in my own experience and obviously across colleagues and which is exactly how we found you for this podcast. We wanted a leader uh, who's been very successful. So just taking it at one more step and because we have a number of listeners who are 
in their career at the manager, senior manager, director, senior director, VP level, and aspire to be in a position like yours, and in particular women uh, who are in uh, positions where they're growing in their, in their profession. As you see it now, what are the key sort of technical or digital trends out there that you think are most important when you think about digital transformation? And I mean, from like a technical level, is it, is it in the area of data and AI and machine learning? Or are we talking about still getting to the cloud or is it a combination of a variety of things? Because I think you opened the door on this notion of innovation and I wanna ask a few more questions there. So if you can start with whether you think the tech trend is, then we're gonna move right over quickly to innovation. It's interesting that you bring up the cloud in contrast to innovation. And I had, I led a round table of CIOs one time and it was, well, first of all, we had a very long debate about what innovation really was. And then talked about, well, is moving to the cloud innovation? And so then there's a big, a big debate, I'll say about that. But as far as some of the key digital trends, by far it's data, what you can do with data. I mean, we are producing data all the time as individuals and we don't even know, right? And we, you know, well, we probably do as technologists, but, you know, there's information about us all over the place. And, you know, you talk about uh, privacy rights and, you know, how just the access of data, what we should allow people access to and how they use it. But, I mean, it's changing revenue streams, building brand new revenue streams for companies that are not technology companies. And I think this is just a space that will just continue to, um, people will invest, companies will invest in it. And right now, I think it's the biggest talent shortage that we have right now, aside from um, security uh, in, in the tech world. And then on the follow-up on the innovation side, you mentioned sort of your ecosystem of speaking to startups and VCs and, and doing this quick test and hypothesis. How fast should a company or a leader a manager go in terms of innovation? What's the speed limit or is there one? Well, am I working for a public or a private company? Public company. <laughs> you have to go really, really fast to get <laughs> to show, show value and results. And the trick is what people tend to do is not know in an innovation how to really just prove out the minimum viable product, right? So like your idea might be this big, but in order for all of this to work, you just have to prove out this piece. And once you get that piece, then you can move it to the next piece. So it's really being able to understand how fast can you get through that minimum viable product or test? Because if you can't get past that, none of the rest matters. And so I think where people struggle the most is, is really breaking down to just do those very rapid tests in order to even know and progress to that next level of the idea. So how did you learn that? What was your guidance? Did you have uh, was it a trial by fire or was it, you know, resilience and all the above, or was there a mentor? Was there an example? how did you come up to be really great at this? I was really lucky. And one of my first opportunities was an IOT. This is before IOT was even a thing. And I couldn't find anything on Google really about it. And we're trying to figure out, you know, what does this architecture look like and what do we need to do? And really it was, hey, we want to build a smart product. Uh, if we can't get part A to speak to part B and have it do it through a wall, the technology is not ready. And right. if the technology is not ready, we, we just can't even proceed. We, sh we shelf the idea. So uh, for me, I, I, uh, the company that I worked with had an idea that uh, they had a 
patent for for about 10 years and have been patiently waiting for everything to be ready from technology to be ready, the business to be ready, their customers to be ready for it. Uh, you have to have all these parts and pieces, right, to be ready in order for the whole thing to, to go. So at that point in time, we felt that all those parts and pieces were ready and we just had to see if the technology could do it. So I was um, presented a really good opportunity uh, and, and that was one of my very, very first innovation projects, which then proved the value of why we needed to have a technology innovation team, focused innovation team at the company that I worked at. You had to make your own road. That's amazing. And I can tell you that it was an amazing experience. I had a couple champions, right, who said, I believe in this, just go prove and show what you can do. And it was above and beyond my day job, right? But, and that's one of the, the things that I would tell people is, you know, to, to continue to succeed and, and progress almost all the time, you're doing something, but then there's that something extra. There's right. that other opportunity that maybe you didn't know you were going to go do, but go take that. And you never know where it's going to go, but always take those opportunities. That's well said for sure. And you know, I wanted to kind of touch on, you have a, a lot of experience in the consumer product side of things, right? Mm-hmm. And we talk to a lot of traditional tech leaders, right? From traditional tech companies. So from a consumer products company side, right? We're, now we're seeing pretty much every company turn into a tech company. Where do you think that maybe consumer products is lagging compared to other tech companies? And where do you think they're kind of catching up? I think they lag in the large at corporate space. They certainly lag in speed, right? And this is where we always had the, the battle uh, around, um, you know, if we're not innovating and if we're not going faster than our competitors or even, you know, the new startup companies, uh, we're going we're gonna to disappear. So I think um, being able to figure out a way to move quickly inside extremely large companies is something that, that is hard and people are still trying to figure out how to do they do have the opportunity and the funds, right, to go staff or get talent at a level that other companies may not, right? So where, where they know, hey, we need to invest more people in data and AI. We've got robotic process automation. That's really going to help us. Let's go hire that talent. You know, they've got the backing and the funds to at least go get the skills and staff to get the power behind it. But I think it's, it's just the speed and execution. And then, so when we talk about leadership in particular hiring, you know, in your opinion, where is maybe gender diversity lacking in the workplace today? So obviously in, in the information technology world, it's getting better, but that's still lopsided, I think, in, in as far as just looking at, at male and female diversity. I think that people are starting to be more intentional and having a focus on diversity I would struggle a little bit with like being intentional about it because my heart of hearts, I want to say, we should always just hire the best candidate, right? Like no matter, <laughs> you know, who they are, where they're located, what they look like, like always just hire the best candidate. But on top of that, you still also need to be intentional. I think studies have shown for women, they apply for a job when they're 90%, hundred percent qualified for it. And so maybe it's as a hiring manager, 
I have to seek out those candidates versus them being presented to me. Men, on the other hand, again, study, right? They'll apply for a job when they're 50 or 60% qualified, but believe, you know, they have the confidence and, and believe they can go do it. And I th- I'm with the guys, right? Like, I don't want to get hired for a job that I'm 100% qualified for. Like, I want to grow and learn and do things different. So give me something extra above and beyond some of the things I've, I've done before. But I think as a hiring manager, we have to be also conscious of diversity. We have to be conscious of our unconscious biases as well, uh, which m- most people don't really talk about that and just be very intentional about how we go about hiring. The one thing that's really cool about the way things have changed in COVID is our talent pool is so much bigger because we have uh, a much, um, much more opportunities to hire a remote workforce now. I think that's going to be an effect of COVID that we'll, we'll see long term with, with much more flexibility in remote working, which broadens our talent pool. So in that remote working and, and being able to address this larger talent pool, what are the key things that that talent looks for and how does a leader need to be sensitive to recruiting people who are remote or in a broader, more diverse workforce? It's so interesting how the remote workforce has changed and how even as going through hiring uh, now, the conversations about expectations that potential hires have, whether it's uh, compensation or if you actually need to come into the office um, you know, the expectation is just so much different, but I think being clear about the expectations of the role, I think on both sides, understanding, you know, if I want to be a manager and a leader of people and I don't want to travel and I don't ever want to be in the office, (laughs) it's really hard. So you, you have to understand that there's still an element of people and human connection with certain roles that you just will never go away. Um, It doesn't matter, you know, what it is. So I think both parties really understanding the role and and what needs to go into that role in remote working. Um, The other thing is it's provided so much flexibility to circumstances in people's lives. You know, I mentioned earlier, you never quite know what might be happening or situations that people are dealing with and how they're just accommodating and doing working as hard as they can. And because of that remoteness, they're able to continue life and do really, really well. And you just never know, but there's some great things that have come out of allowing that flexibility. It's like a a good and bad, right? I can work anywhere, which is awesome, but man, I can work anywhere (laughs) (laughs) and at any time. So Obviously, you deal with digital transformation, and what you just touched on is a bit now what I think is the social innovation or social transformation, the idea of a different workplace, different work habits. As you see or would give advice now to people who are moving into leadership positions, what is the sort of thing they need to be sensitive to as we go through social innovation, or how can they best keep on top of what the change looks like? And maybe how you do that yourself, how you employ those sort of techniques of thinking in the future while acting in the present. So a few things. I think communication is important in any role, any relationship, like anything that you're talking about, the better the communication, the better you're going to be in in your workplace, in your relationships, in alignment, remote, not remote, 
communication is really, really key. Um, Continuous learning, uh, that should be a given in technology anyway. Uh, But I think, you know, this past year, everything got flipped on its head. People did everything differently from ordering groceries Mm -hmm. to, you know, not just going to work, but, you know, there's a lot of learning that had to happen. And I think you have to embrace continuous learning throughout your life and throughout your career. So I think those are two key elements I mentioned already as take opportunities when they're presented to you. You don't always know why they're being presented to you. The other thing that I would say, you know, for anyone in any situation, especially for women is, you know, do you have a champion? As you're trying to, you know, get into grow into leadership roles. And I've had those before. And those are the people that are in the meetings that and the discussions that are talking about, hey, this is next. And who can we place in this role? And somebody that knows your talents and knows your potential and believes in you and who can speak for you when those opportunities come up to say, you know, this person would be would be great um, in this spot. So I, I think that's even more important, um, not being in the office. Uh, every day where you might see, you know, people walking around or have hallway chats and have those opportunities to in- build an informal relationship, even with those people that that'll help you grow. That's tremendous. I, I was going to ask you that question is it's that champion. It's that sort of coach and mentor that can help you through, but always understands and identifies the value of what you can bring to the organization. That, that's tremendous. I mean, I think it's one of the, the, the best advice I've heard. What in this last year has personally transformed you? you? I know you've talked a little bit about it with COVID and so on, but in the mm-hmm. last 12 months, obviously, there's just lots that's happened. So what, what sort of things have happened that would give people insight into how a leader is resilient during these times? I guess in the last year, I've learned that you make your own choices on where you spend your time. Before COVID and before the last year, I was busy and crazy and it's, but, but it's because I, I chose to be. And when we talked about being intentional, you know, it applies here too. being very intentional about where you want to focus your time, figuring out the community and social parts that you really want to be intentional about. You guys know, in talking to me previously, I'm going to go back a little bit um, before 12 months, but about three years ago, I had a big personal transformation in that my husband had unexpectedly passed away. And so I completely had to figure out um, being a career woman, a mom, something so traumatic uh, happened and unplanned. And at the same time, I was transitioning out of a company, also by choice, to go pursue something different. And having that large of an event happen to you and sort of rethink about what's next for you, have so many unknowns to just kind of have to figure out how you're going to go do what you want to do, but yet be there for your kids. And I think even this last year, just reemphasize the the importance of time with your family, with your friends, what you do at work, what you aspire to be at work. The last three years have been the most life-changing and impactful for me ever, like in my, my whole life. I'm super proud of, of my kids and myself. And like I said, it's, it's just been a big journey, you know, personally, professionally, um, but, but I'm proud to be where I am right now. 
Strength, resilience, and that's true leadership. Sure. Brings us to the rapid fire section of our, <laughs> of our podcast, our segment of our podcast. This is the area where we ask you uh, at least five rapid fire questions, just okay. that comes to mind, uh, giving our audience a little bit further background and understanding of who you are. So the first question is, what song karaoke do you sing? Well, honestly, the answer would be, I don't sing karaoke because I would, <laughs> I would clear out the place. Oh, <laughs> is Singing not- is not one of my talents. <laughs> not, not coming from Wisconsin. Not, okay. All right. Um, then your favorite song. Gosh, I guess it probably depends what, what mood I'm in. So I have this mix. Uh, this is not rapid fire. Um, <laughs> we are the champions. How about that? Okay. Awesome. Queen. Favorite book or business book? I read all, mostly nonfiction. The most recent book that I've read that I had an awesome message. It's called um, Good Company by local um, hero of ours around here, Arthur Blank, who founded Home Depot. Uh, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons and our Atlanta United soccer team. Great message about culture, people, and community. Favorite movie? Well, you're not going to be surprised when I say probably any sports-related movie like Hoosiers, which probably gave <laughs> me a little bit, Rocky. Um, Rocky. But my favorite chick flick is um, Love Actually. Oh, wow. wow. That's, that's a big one. What's your favorite Rocky? Oh, the originals. Any of the originals. Not Rocky. the new ones that were... I mean, those are all good too, but um, yeah, probably the very first. It's always the, the first ones are always the best, and and um, I think in in any movie series versus yeah. the sequel. I love Rocky Four with Drago. Yeah. That's that's my favorite one. But favorite superhero? Okay, so I actually got asked this question a couple of weeks ago, and so like, what you, what is your inner super power yeah. superhero? <laughs> and I said Supergirl because. <laughs> She's a great role model for young girls. There's no divide between men and women. And um, she's always on the side um, for good. That's awesome. And what's the one thing when you think about the next 12 months that you would advise our listening audience to think about either personally or professionally? I would say embrace change. I mean, now more than ever, it's happening rapid fire. Uh, It's not going to go away. Things are going to keep keep changing um, and embrace it and figure out your focus and your intention and enjoy the ride. A true transformation experts answer. <laughs> that has been the NetFX podcast where we talk about digital, social, and personal transformation. We want to thank again the Senior Vice President of Digital Transformation and Business Engagement at Republic National Distributing Company, Renee Pearson. Thank you so much. This was amazing, super helpful. You are great, and we're so excited to get this episode out to our audience. So thank you again for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Renee. Thanks for the opportunity. And we are going to invite you back on the show. So thank you very much, and look forward to our next show.